Okay, Brett, we're back again, and I have a fresh new parryism ready for you. Are you ready to hear it? Mm, yes. Today's parryism is go crazy off the horse, not on the horse. Go crazy okay. off the horse, not on the horse. <laughs> okay, I wonder what I meant when I said that. Yeah. What, what context was that in? Look, you've said this in a couple of different ways over the years, and it's always around the development of the rider. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and that we kind of don't want to use the horses as lab rats. Yeah, that's which right. Which is another, no. yeah, another, th- another way you've put it. So yeah. we're talking about going crazy off the horse, not on the horse. So what, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? What comes to mind for me there is is spend time in self-improvement, you know, gaining more knowledge, getting fitter, improving skills, you know, coordination, just just overall improve yourself. All this like try to narrow down the skills that you need in the saddle. Try and narrow down the fitness level or the optimum, let's say, way you want your body to feel. Um, and optimize the knowledge that you have. Of course, you've got to be on the horse to get all the feel and and log in and and create all of that muscle memory. But um, at least give yourself a chance of getting the knowledge, not just relying on you know lessons and bits and pieces that you're sitting on the horse. But get the knowledge and the fitness level and all those other things, the skill level off the horse, and then save the poor old horse for, you know, being able to ride the horse better when you are a better version of yourself. I feel like that I'm being taken back in time four or five or more years ago when you and I were talking about putting together what is now Performance Riders and the Gold Program and Dressage Breakthrough, so all the the uh, mentoring and coaching programs that you lead through performance riders because that's exactly what they're about, right, is that we don't actually have to learn and we shouldn't learn everything that we need to know when we're on the horse, when we're in the saddle. Yeah. And too many people I find it's have that old-fashioned view of they've got to be on the horse to learn something. Well, that's just rubbish. From all of the people that I've seen engaging with the performance riders programs that we've put out there, not one of them has said they've become a worse rider from um, engaging in the information we've got. Every single one of them has said they have got more clarity. They've, you know, how many emails and messages we get where people have adopted new habits, um, lost weight, gotten fitter, improve their skills off the horse like it's endless i've had so many messages and i know you have as well yeah and not one person's gone oh yeah i did that but it just left me stagnant yeah so the the evidence is there that Mm. we've run this um concept over thousands of people Mm. and not once has it been proven wrong so that tells me that this way of thinking is a 100% um, accurate 
the evidence is there, and I just wished more people would actually let go of this old-fashioned view and do themselves a favour and and just try to do some things off thoughts. I mean, they don't have to do performance riders. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying just try to think of this, think of it more off the horse. And that applies to every sport, to be totally honest. I know um, riders in other horse sports that the only second of thought they give to their riding is the moment they put their foot in the stirrup. And and that's just it's unfair on the horse because they, by the time that person gets to run, get themselves um, locked in mentally, get the field down pat, um, feel every element of the horse, all different parts of the horse that they need to work out how to control, um, it's too late. And they, what they do is they just gravitate to the easiest correction, which is generally from the hand. Mm-hmm. Because the hand is what we live every single day of our life with, our hands and our eyes, of course, when we first get on the horse, it's not you don't have to be Einstein to work out that we're going to go to our hands and our eyes to fix everything. And, and great riders in all disciplines will use their body as a tool, they use their feet, they use their legs, they use their seat, they use other parts and they rely on their hands less and less. Mm. But there's a certain amount of focus and knowledge and skill acquisition that needs to be gained before you can ride like this. And what I'm trying to suggest is why don't you put effort into being that rider you want to be off the horse so when you get on, half the work is done. You just have to now create the muscle memory, but you won't revert back to that hands and eyes and just pulling the horse around by the mouth thinking you're getting them to do your whatever sport it is. And mm. and that for me is um, it's just so important. I know how much I think about things off the horse mm. um, and I know I wouldn't certainly be the rider that I am trying to be and now if I hadn't put that much time into it. So I just wish – I mean all I'm trying to suggest here is to, to make yourself better and to give the horse a break and just make sure that that horse is getting the the best – person they can Mm. i feel like we should just stop the podcast here because i think that what you just said over the last three or four minutes is absolute gold and there's such a lot of wisdom that we can all take from that i know i'm going to be listening back to that for sure um you know it also reminds me of something i mentioned once to um fiona hargraves who works with us in performance riders as a fitness coach for the riders and I said to her one day, oh, Fee, you know, I get off the horse and I feel so supple and strong and I feel great when I get off the horse compared to when I got on. And she said, well, you've got it wrong there because in all fairness to the horse, you should be doing whatever it takes to feel like that when you step foot in the stirrup, not have the horse do that job for you. Yeah. And I thought, how good is that? And that can be as simple as, you know, a, a good warm-up, um, getting the the major muscles firing and whatnot before you get on the horse. So, yeah, I, I love that that idea. Yeah, I mean, if you're riding a number of horses, um, then, of course, one horse is going to warm you up for the next one. But, yeah. but if you are riding, and look, to be honest there, I know myself, I try to do at least some stretches every morning before I ride. Um, 
even as basic as they are, it just makes me feel better when I get in the saddle that that I am able to to be you know a bit better than I would be if I wasn't doing it. But um, if you're riding one and you're driving to get on the horse and you're going there to the stables or or even you know getting home from work, um, just it's only ten minutes. Like something is better than nothing, and I think yeah. that's another thing in this instance is. Doesn't mean you have to go and join a gym, go crazy, um, do all this extra stuff. I mean, if you do want to do that, good on you. Like that's great. It's great motivation. But just start off by thinking something is better than nothing. What is the thing that I can improve the quickest and the easiest from doing some extras? And I think it's probably a good time, I guess, to talk about the extras because that's what they're the extra skill stuff that you that, that athletes work on in other sports is called extras, and that means what, the stuff they do outside of training. And we need to think of it as that as well. So what are the things that I'm going to do outside of my normal training of my horse and I um, to make me better? And we have to also – I mean, this is the – I guess part of the issue is um, I view this as a sport and I like to think of it as a sport. I like to try to keep myself, you know, here I am in my early 50s trying to keep, trying to hold on to some sort of idea that I'm an athlete. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, trying to think of it as a sport and, and, what extras am I doing? So everything that I'm trying to do off the horse, like again, I was at the gym this morning at half past four, and and um, and not saying I do that every day either, but but I I do it, and every morning I wake up and it's like, oh my god, do I have to do this? Um, but it's like, come on, extras, get in there, do it, you'll be better for it. Um, so yeah, so when you look at extras, I think it's important to find which is the easiest thing that I can put some time into doing extras and feel that I'm moving the needle, feel that I'm improving. Now, whether that be fitness, whether that be stretching, whether that be taking a lead rope into your lounge room and and pretending it's a set of reins and bending your elbows and feeling contact, you know, as you wrap it around your feet or whatever it might be, um, look at it like it's an extra and and then go about doing it over and over and over and don't expect it to change straight away because nothing nothing long-lasting will change straight away. But keep doing it, keep getting better and then start feeling, is this skill or is this extra that I'm working on coming through to my riding? Mm. And yeah. it's, it's, it's always going to make you better. Every time a rider thinks about riding, off the when they're off the horse, they are improving instantly. They're improving focus. They're improving their decision decision making process when they're training. They're improving the skills that the horse is going to benefit from. Like you, you just will not go backwards. So I just would suggest to everybody to start putting down a little list of extras that you want that you think you should do. And like I said, this doesn't doesn't apply to dressage it applies to every horse sport yeah exactly 
Okay, so the parvarism we're talking about today is go crazy off the horse, not on the horse. And the context behind that, of course, is that we're talking about rider development and how much we can focus on ourselves as riders out of the saddle. Brett, what about visualization, um, especially as it relates to skill acquisition and skill development? You've, you have talked a lot in different forums about your experience with visualization. I know, but it, I think it's worth covering that again. Do you want to give us a little bit of background about that and how how you've used that to go crazy off the horse? Mm, yeah, look, it is very. It's a very useful skill. Back when I was young, and my interest at that time was rodeo, specifically uh, saddle bronc riding. Um, this is early nineties. I um, there was a book that came around the traps it was called psycho cybernetics written by maxwell maltz and it was a book that had gotten into the hands of some of the american the really good american um, bronc riders and um, the guys from australia that had traveled abroad they came back and they brought this book back with them and they handed it to us and us sort of um, friends and wannabes and um, i started reading this book now it was heavy stuff and i think i only got about three quarters of the way through it to be honest but it was really heavy stuff but what i took from that book was the concept of visualization and the the and that's something that's probably stuck with me ever since i read it i applied it uh when i was in rodeo but i've applied it much more and probably to much more success in uh equestrian in dressage so the idea there is that if you can mentally and we look this is that was early 90s so it was pretty new stuff then i mean everybody knows about visualization today um but if you can visualize it and not only visualize it to be perfect but visualize it to be not perfect and visualize what could happen and what are you going to do if this happens or if this happens like practicing scenarios and trying to prepare yourself so that when you have to make a subconscious decision, you are prepared for it. So it's not the conscious decisions it prepares you for, although it's saying that it does allow you to practice where you might do like set things up or prepare yourself or think of something, but it's the subconscious that really benefits because if you practice it over and over, your mind will start to make those decisions without you even thinking about it. Mm. Um, so, and that's where I think if you're going to really bring out the best in yourself, you do need to prepare your subconscious to be able to react quickly. And in dressage, that is in setups. It's in having a 360 degree view of really where you are in the arena, how you're preparing, what it looks like, um, the setups for the movements, of course, doing the movements, being within a movement and thinking about the next movement, um, they're feeling that, you you know, whatever might be one of your weaknesses and where there could be a potential problem, feeling that happen and being able to respond quickly so it doesn't become a disaster. Mm-hmm. All of these things will benefit from visualisation. So the practice of visualization and it is practice because it requires focus it requires uh, maximum relaxation 
so almost let's say meditative state so you can visualize with a lot of um so it's a lot very vivid the the way of visualizing because the idea the, the true skill in doing a proper job in that is to actually picture yourself in that place in that time with the same sounds smells pictures around you as best you can the feel and being able to put yourself through what you're about to do as vividly and as sort of realistically as you can and think of best case scenario worst case and everything in between and just get yourself prepared. And it's not, I mean, it's it's different to positive thinking. Like positive thinking is where you're like, right, I'm going to do this and I'm going to school, I'm going to be yeah. great in this and I'm, you know, really boosting yourself up. And, and that's something that is a different skill again. This is just preparing yourself for every situation possible. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned that we're all aware of visualisation now, which I think is true, but I don't think that that many of us are really aware of how to do it in a way that benefits us and our horses the most um, and, yeah, how to go about doing that. Because even what you were saying there, that visualiza- visualisation is about preparing yourself for the different scenarios that might happen. I think, you know, a really common misconception about visualisation can be that you're kind of manifesting an outcome. Like I'm going to visualise myself getting first place and getting a qualifying score or winning a championship. But as you're saying, that's not really very helpful. What is really helpful is visualising the process. This Mm. is exactly how I'm going to ride. And if my horse spooks or makes a mistake or whatever that you know your horse is likely to do, this is what I will then, this, this is the action I will then take. So I think it's a different way of looking at visualization than some people um, might automatically think of. So that's I think that's a great tool to have. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I was just thinking as you're saying it, but visualizing yourself in first place or visualizing yourself with the medal around your neck is is only as useful as what comes in behind that, and then what comes in behind that is the process, and to to just visualize victories and successes and 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 happy moments is really just setting yourself up for a disaster yeah um it is nice to think about that but what comes with that is an enormous amount of expectation and you will fall off a big cliff if you don't think that you um you know that you've lived up to this expectation Mm, exactly yeah getting your hopes up all those things there that's not good so if you do find yourself and it, look, okay, have those thoughts for sure. That makes it important. That makes it very. That makes what we're aiming to do um, significant. And it's good to identify the significance. But as soon as you feel yourself going down that path, just get straight out of there and get onto the process, and start thinking about the process. What's the actual steps? If I'm stepping up a a staircase, what's each individual step that I need to think about mm. in order to get this result mm. and in dressage thankfully it's a very structured sport so therefore there are a lot of very small steps that make up what appears to be a very f- seamless and effortless test um, and you can't jump three steps at a time you've got to 
take one step and 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 really make sure that you're methodical and that the process is clear and that will require focus so having the ability to focus at a level where nothing else matters you can't hear anything you've almost um it's just you and your horse and the surroundings close surroundings and that is it and nothing else matters on the outside of that and that takes a lot of strength discipline but discipline to stay focused to that level and a lot of practice and um but but you will find that the top performers in dressage are very good at focus focusing Mm. on the right things and i mean visualization in itself is an exercise in focus that it's it is exactly building that focus muscle and it's that activity of bringing your mind back to what you're wanting to think that is the is the work i know a lot of the time writers will say to me i'm no good at visualizing because my mind wanders off and i start thinking about what's for dinner or what i need to do at the shops or whatever but the work is actually in bringing your mind back and focusing on what you have chosen to focus on at that moment so it's perfect it's just such a perfect exercise for writing it's human nature to wander like that. Yeah. It's human nature. But like you say, the more you practice it, the, the stronger the muscle gets. Yeah. And and you cannot – you're not born. No one's born with this skill. It's about who's about to, who's prepared to put in the most amount of work. Yes, yeah. Can we talk about how we watch the sport of dressage? So the parbreism we're talking about is going crazy off the horse and not on the horse. Now – Often a lot of us riders, uh, you know, we love our sport. We, we watch the sport. We're spectators of the sport. How can we use that time we spend watching the sport to slightly maybe how can we tweak that to make it more useful for us rather than watching it and going, wow, amazing horse, how beautiful, love it which is which is lovely as well <laughs> but what's what's some different ways Brett we can watch the sport in order to develop more as riders well one of the ways that I've done that in the past is rather than sit there with your jaw dropped open thinking how beautiful it is I I try to imagine I'm giving them a lesson so if I'm watching one of those really famous top riders you know from Europe or from from overseas somewhere um one of the things that I'll do is try to think that I'm giving them a lesson. Just in my head, it's just just me thinking, right, okay, if I was giving this writer a lesson right now, what would I be saying? And and I'm not doing that to pretend that I know everything. I'm checking what I would be suggesting and what they're doing and trying to work out exactly what the difference is. So, So if I was saying you know, more energy and they're making, you know, um, more of a half alt or whatever it might be, um, it's helping me train my eye to, 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 to understand exactly what feel they're looking for mm. rather than just looking at it as a, as a broad picture, appreciating it for what it is, which is obviously beautiful. You're getting, you're making yourself go into the nuts and bolts a bit more. And again, it, just gives you look at it through a different lens and I think you definitely get more out of it mm. when you do hypothetically give that rider a lesson. Mm. 
I know uh, Emma Wynett, who's a trainer in performance writers, always says if you're going to a masterclass, you must take a notepad and a pen and not chat and write down notes. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and, and the reason for that, not only is it it's diligent, you know, to take those notes down, it makes you we, – we all know the science that's behind jotting things down and mm. that the stickability of that information in your mind. Yeah. But also um, – it does it does make you dissect things a little more and it's very important i think in those bit in those situations like a masterclass is you you're really getting a snippet of what someone's system is all about like that's mm. they're not giving you the whole system their training system they're giving you some of the bits and pieces that they um, think are important oftentimes those bits and pieces will relate to the rider and the horse they're working with at the time. So not necessarily to every horse and rider. So it's important that when you do jot down these pieces of information, you put that information in the context of how it was given. So what was the rider doing um, when the you know, guest presenter is saying, sit forward, was the rider leaning yeah. back? And try to jot down the notes according to the context of what it's given because anything in this sport taken out of context will send you on a tangent. Yeah. And you've got to make sure that the information you're jotting down that you place importance on firstly relates to you and it's something that you need to work on. Um, Secondly, it fits with your underlying philosophy on the way you want engage in the sport and who you want to be uh, as a rider and a trainer and um, and that that they're important rather than just jot down a piece of information which um, taken the wrong way will be detrimental and unfortunately that happens more times than not like I, I know um, and I and I know that the guest presenters, the the the, the famous guys that are doing the um, masterclasses, they would be mortified to think that someone's taken that the wrong way. But yeah. they're stuck out in the middle of the arena, just giving that information on the day, trying to get it to land on three thousand people's ears, yeah. and and hoping that it goes into the right place in that each one of those person's system. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, they'd be mortified to think it goes the wrong way, but oftentimes I'll hear the chatter when you come, when, when the people, when, when, when writers will come back from the mask classes and I'll say, what was the focus of the guest presenter? This, this, and this. Um, okay, righto, that's great. And now you'd notice straight away that um, they're applying things and it probably doesn't need to apply and the yeah. poor horse has to put up with it. So, yeah. That's Taking such a notes. great point. That is such a great point and, you know, I always as it happens after masterclasses that um, all of us writers hop on social media and we all share our big takeaways from the masterclass but you're so right, like there's context behind every single one of those little catchy quotes. Um, yeah, I, I love that. That's a really great reminder and then if we take those notes and note down, well, what was what was happening with that particular horse and rider at the time, maybe we can make better use of that piece of information yeah mm. yeah great point you know i think i think um 
here in Australia, we often have um, a lot of inf- in- interaction with um, Carl and Charlotte and Gareth Hughes. So three really, really top international writers, all from England. Um, so it'd be fair to say that a lot of our more modern Australian writing is is quite English um, focused, and, and that's a great thing, very good thing. Um, and you know, I think Australia in Australia we we are lucky because we have an opportunity to almost create our own style by taking things like what Carl and Charlotte and Gareth are bringing to Australia, and then also. Um, what we've learned in the past from from the the more sort of um, traditional German styles, and trying to blend our own our own system and and uniquely uniquely make it Australian. And I think mm. there's an opportunity there for us to be very good at our own system. And it's important that we actually create a system that we don't. Um, what's the word? Sort of want to follow all the time. I think it's important that we definitely need to create our own system, own it, and fine-tune it and get better at it because what the horse benefits from is consistency. And if we're riding around with someone else's voice uh, in our heads going on about their system Mm. and then we're mismatching it with our own system, then I think it's – it's always going to be you'll always there'll always be a disconnect. I think I went on a slight tangent. That's there, what Nat. we call a Parbury tangent. Yeah, I was going to say that was a tangent. I felt like a tangent about that's half another podcast. I might as well finish it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the final thought I'd love to discuss with you about this Parburyism of going crazy off the horse and not on the horse is well, why is that important to you in the first place? I mean, we. You mentioned a little bit like we don't want the horse to have to put up with everything, you know, all the experiments that we're going on ourselves in our rider development. But in practical terms, why is that important? Is it, you know, do you want shorter rides on your horse? Do you want fewer miles on the horse's legs? What What is it, Brett? One of the important things of training a horse to to have minimal resistance in its way of going and, and in doing the dressage movements is to not train it to resist in the first place. Mm-hmm. So if we can if we can avoid bad kilometres, bad miles by being better ourselves, like just being a better version of ourselves, then we then don't click up the muscle mem- like click up the kilometers that creates the muscle memory in the horse to resist what we're asking and it's better the best way to fix a problem is not have the problem in the first place and that that would be the the most important thing i think if you can train and we're always going to have problems don't get me wrong we're always going to have problems horses are going to dish up problems because they it's just they're trying to they're trying to make it as easy as they can for themselves. But if you can limit the miles to good quality kilometers, good quality miles under saddle with a rider that's fully focused, with a rider that's in great shape, with a rider that's really knowledgeable, their body's feeling, their head's thinking, they cl- clock up good quality kilometers. You'll find that you'll get through the levels in the sport quicker, you'll enjoy it more, 
Like you'll enjoy the sport more because you you will be more successful. You will feel like you're progressing in a better way, a more sustainable way, possibly quicker, um, and you will enjoy it more. The thing about enjoying it is that it's expensive, right? It's it's this mm. is an expensive sport we've chosen, so we owe it to ourselves to to be better. Like if we're going to spend the money, let's just go that little bit extra length and try to get the skills that are going to help us to be more successful and enjoy it well i absolutely love where these conversations go we start off with you know a tiny little quote that you've said of barbarism and it just opens up this whole world of opportunity for discussion so really fascinating thank you very much my pleasure i don't know if it was everything that you're expecting but we got there in the end it was great we got there and i look forward to talking to you next time with a new parbriism thanks nat